Stephen Grace, we have quite the game to talk about today, so I'm not going to bury bury the lead. The Bears improved to 2-0 in Class 1A District 5 and 4-1 and overall with an incredible 24-21 victory over Minneapolis. And to set the, set the scene, I think we should just jump straight into the scoring recap and talk about things from there. How does that sound? Sounds perfect to me. All right. But before we do that, you're listening to the Talking Bear Football Podcast right here on westbranch.football. And it's presented by the Browns West Branch family of dealerships. No Jason Miller this episode, as he had a scheduling conflict, so it's just me, your host, Matt Chenander, and then voice of the Bears, Stephen Grace. We're just going at it alone, Stephen. I, I hope uh, hope this works. We'll see if we can survive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, as I mentioned, I think we should just start right into the scoring recap, just to kind of set the scene for everything that we're going to talk about here to, to recap the Bears' uh, victory over Minneapolis. So we're going to start here in the first quarter. Uh, after the Bears forced a Meepo punt on their opening drive, the Bears fumbled the ball near midfield to give it right back. But uh, what, two plays later, three plays later, Meepo fumbles it and gets it right back to the Bears. So kind of like nothing happened there. Uh, but the Bears take advantage of that with a 12-play, 49-yard drive that ended uh, with an Andy Henson 16-yard touchdown run. And just some, I don't know if you've uh, watched back the film. I know you couldn't really see it uh, in the moment uh, with the situation of the windows there in Minneapolis. But I don't know if you watched it back on film, but just some really good edge blocking by Kenick Belk and Aiden Dingbaum, uh to to free Andy Andy on that run around the end. I started looking at a little bit. I haven't got that far yet. So that'll be something that I want to circle, though, and watch because there was several good things that um, I could kind of decipher through the dirt streaked rainy wet windows yeah uh federland's pat was good so seven nothing bears late uh first quarter on the ensuing uh minneapolis drive bears force another or force a punt um and take the ball right back down the field for another long scoring drive this one an 11 play drive that resulted in a 36 yard wyatt federland field goal to extend the bears lead to 10 to nothing uh he had kicked one before that, a 31 to nothing, but there was a delay of game penalty, so pushed it back five yards. And I think he was still into the wind um, and still had plenty of leg on that 36-yard or two. So really good kick, really good kick there by Wyatt. Uh, Mediapolis responds on their next drive by getting into the end zone on a beautiful 23-yard passing catch mm-hmm. for a touchdown from Ben Egan to Aiden Nelson. Uh, PAT was good, so 10-7 to Bears late uh, second quarter. Uh, really busy second quarter here, but um, yeah, on the Bears' uh, possession after the Meepo touchdown, they marched down the field with a nine-play drive that was capped off uh, by an Andy Henson two-yard touchdown run. Um, and that run, Stephen, I know you and I were talking about it either, I think it was at halftime we at were halftime, talking about yeah. it. That run, just fantastic game. Tell us about it. Or fantastic run. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, just watching it on the replay, and it was a toss sweep. And he had a fullback and a tackle that was pulling out in front of him. And Andy was just really patient. I mean, he was almost basically jogging, letting those blockers get out there and set things up. Had his hand on one of the guy's backs, waited for them to find their right guys and start to open the hole. But then as soon as he saw that opening, Andy turned it on and he met contact right at the goal line and ran over the defender. And I mean, that was pretty much like in a yard and a half or two yards. So for him to kind of be trotting and then he made the decision, hey, there's my hole, I'm going to hit it. And he hit it so hard that he ran the guy over 
and got into the end zone for the touchdown. I mean, that was just, that was a beautiful play. Great job by those guys getting out, leading the way, but even even better job of Andy showing that patience, Mm -hmm. but then showing that quick burst and that power to be able to get into the end zone. Yeah, that that patience plus the agility to just go whenever you need to is so, is so dangerous. And we're, Andy, like, I don't know, it's it's strange because he's such a big kid, a, a strong, powerful kid. Plus, he's got the speed um, and the the smarts, too. Uh, he's just, yeah, we're uh, really glad to have him on our team. We'll yes. say that. <laughs> uh, again, Federland's PAT was good. So Bears lead 17 to 7 with four seconds remaining in the first half. Uh, let's jump to the third quarter. Uh, on Meepo's first possession of the half, um, they the Bears got the ball to uh, start the half. Uh, Meepo forced the Bears to punt, um, and then they get into Bears territory um, in in the red zone. But penalties kept pushing them back and back, um, and they had to settle for a field goal attempt. And um, I'm sure you were too, Stephen, but with how good Miller's leg is, you'd think that he'd have no problem with this one. Um, and technically he didn't, uh, but the attempt was called no good. Yeah. Uh, Bears catch a huge break. Uh, looking back at the film, I think that was the first thing that I looked at when I got a chance on uh, Friday night. Uh, the kick was good. There's no and ifs or buts about it. <laughs> you go frame by frame, you see the ball go inside the upright. Um, so, you know, unfortunate that it ended that way, but a huge break for the Bears. It was weird because they'd only put one official back. Normally mm-hmm. you have one underneath each upright. And then the one official that was there, normally if you've just got one, you would line up kind of in the middle of the goalpost. But he was on the one side, the same side where the ball was being kicked from, and the ball carried, and he had to kind of run and looked. And, I mean, it's weird when you watch the replay of it, and you see him kind of running and looking, and he's like, nope, nope, it was no good. But I... Unless there's something else that we completely missed, I, it seemed like it was good. I, we'll take it. I mean, it helped us out, but I... Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. I have thoughts uh, yeah. on that I'll share in a little bit. So Okay, yeah. So yeah, as I said, Bears catch a break. Um, and then, so they get the ball back, um, but are forced to punt. And then Meepo takes it right down the field to pull within three on a five-yard touchdown run from their running back, Anthony Isley. So, I mean, Meepo did exactly what they needed to do in that case, and they stopped the After that, um, you know, quote-unquote missed field goal, they stopped the Bears, take it right back down and punch it in the end zone. So they did everything they could to rectify that situation there. So uh, 17-14 Bears uh, in the third. Jumping to the fourth quarter, the Bears' possession um, after that Isley touchdown, they're forced to punt again, and again, Beeple drives right down the field and gets into the end zone with another Isley touchdown run, this time from four yards out. Uh, Miller's PAT was good, and uh, that gave the, the Bulldogs a lead down 21-17 to with nine minutes remaining. Uh, the Bears, who you know kind of struggled mightily, I'll say, in the third quarter to get anything going offensively, uh, the defense allowed 14 unanswered. You know, they really need to put a, together a good drive to swing momentum back their way, and that's what they did. Uh, the Bears marched right down the field with another long drive, this time on an 11-play drive that chewed up just over five minutes a clock. Carver Belk finds his brother Kinnick on a really nice out route in the end zone. Carver uh, just kind of rolled out, rolled out to his left, did that tough throw where you kind of turn your body, for a righty at least, kind of turn your body and throw it. Not exactly the best footing that you want, but he threw it on the mark. 
Kinnick made a good catch. Um, and it was six points for West Branch. Betterland's PAT was good to reclaim the lead for the Bears, 24-21, to with three minutes and 50 seconds remaining. On Mediapolis's following drive, things started really well for the Bears <laughs> as the Bulldogs start with a false start, and then the Bears sack Egan to set up second and long, but yeah, Anthony Isley, uh, he had other plans, and he just does what he does. He breaks loose for what looked like uh, would be a 77-yard touchdown run, <clears throat> Stephen Grace, <laughs> but, the Ken- <laughs> but Kenny Belk had other ideas. I, I'll, I'll admit, I got to work Saturday morning, and the Belk family was having breakfast at the serving cafe next door, but Kinnick wasn't there. And so I said, tell him I'm sorry. I writ- wrote him off. So, Kinnick, this is my public apology for the 17 millionth time. I did not think you were going to catch him. Way to catch him. Good job, young man. Yeah. Isley, I mean, he was all alone starting at the 50-yard line or so and was caught up to by Kinnick and tackled at the 9-yard line. I mean, no and ifs or buts about it, just a huge uh, touchdown-saving tackle from Kinnick in an incredible effort. Looking back at the film, uh, Kinnick, I was kind of just staring at Kinnick for, for that whole play, and he turned on the Jets at about the Meepo 45 and just dead leg sprint all the way down the field to catch Isley, which is not an easy thing no. to do. Uh, so I I did not know Kenneth could run that fast. So <laughs> good for him. Um, but yeah, still, I mean, things still aren't looking good at this point. You know, I'm thinking at minimum we're going to go to overtime. Just, you know, you assume Miller, at that point they're well within Miller's range, obviously. Um, and with how good of a kicker he is, you know, they're at minimum going to get a field goal out of this. Um, but the Bears defense comes through uh, once again. I mean, as they as they have at multiple critical points throughout the game uh, on that first and goal, they force a no gain a second goal, a loss. And then on or sorry, second down, a loss. And on third down, another loss uh, to set up a fourth down field goal attempt for Meepo. Uh, at the nine, but with a, um, I guess, what would that be, a 26-yard attempt? Uh, 27, I think, officially is what it was listed, at least what I wrote down. So that's unofficially official, or officially unofficial. Right. Uh, the kick came out very low and to the left and did not make it through the uprights. Um, I double-checked this one on video. Yeah. It did not go through. It, it wouldn't have cleared the crossbar either. And the Bears survive, 24 to 21. What a game, Stephen Grace. Yes, it was, and... I mean, as you're running through that, I just like 10 different things keep popping into my head. So one thing I jumped that jumped out and we talked about it at halftime, the Bears had run 38 plays to 14 for Mediapolis and we're ahead 17 to seven. So, I mean, ball control. We had those three long drives. We scored on three of our four possessions. The first one we didn't score because we fumbled on a wet night, um, then you flip that around in the third quarter. We had three straight three and outs. We ran the ball. We had nine plays in that third quarter, and we didn't gain a first down on any of them. So obviously, Meepo made some adjustments, but then for us to respond in that fourth quarter with that long drive was huge. So um, one of the other things that jumped out, I mean, tip of the cap to the coach on the sideline, JT, Jared Tiley. Uh, he had mentioned that the way that Mediapolis was playing their coverage it looked like there was an opening for that out route against that coverage, and that's exactly what Coach Hirschman called and got Kinnick into the flat there on that little out route for the touchdown to go ahead. So that was very key as well. But I think one of the other things that 
just after looking at some of the highlights especially, you know, credit Kinnick Belk for the touchdown-saving tackle at the very end there on Isley. But he had, I think, three others that Mediapolis had some long gainers, and Kinnick was the one that was back there and made a play. That young man played a heck of a game from that safety spot, being the safety to make sure that the Bears didn't give up some of those scores. Yeah, his name is on my list here, too, of of people to talk about. Just a fantastic game from Kinnick. Six tackles on defense. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that really good blocking on the edge of the Bears' first first score of the game. He and Dingbaum, just incredible, just kind of motioning in from his wide receiver spot, crack back block, um, just to open, basically make a wall, as you called it on the broadcast, which was accurate for Andy to run around. You know, catching that go-ahead touchdown. Of course, the touchdown saving um, and game-saving, well, ultimately game-saving tackle on Isley, uh, you know, Kinnick is just another one of those guys that he isn't flashy, but he gets the job done, puts in a lot of work, um, and makes the offense and the defense just, you know, click uh, yeah. every week. Um, but, you know, we can't we can't go without mentioning Andy Henson in this game. Uh, our uh, Bearcast player of the game, quietly, just as he usually does, phenomenal game. 31 carries, every one of them just absolutely bruising. 172 yards, two touchdowns, uh, four and a half tackles, uh, one and a half tackles for loss on defense. Oh, and he completed a pass too, yeah. by the way. We'll, we'll get to no that big deal. in a bit. Yeah, no big deal. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, he dominated. I'll, I'll say the second half because I think that's where I really noticed it the most. Um, but that entire game, I mean, bruising run after bruising run. Um, but, I mean, I give a lot of credit to the uh, Minneapolis defensive front. They made it difficult mm-hmm. for the Bears front to even get snaps off. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Dano a little bit um, there because the coaches were next to us. And, you know, there are a couple snaps there in the third quarter where Drake had some some low snaps. And that's not his fault. I mean, he had to, as soon as he let go of that ball, as you would know, Stephen, as soon as he let go of that ball, he had to start blocking because Minneapolis front, they were just in in his face the entire night in creating pressure. Well, and that was kind of what I had alluded to last week when we were previewing Minneapolis. I mean, I said, you look at it and, oh, on paper, okay, they're 5'9", 185 pounds, 6 foot, 205 pounds. Like, it's not that typical, hey, we've got a big, beefy offensive and defensive line. They are quick. And that was the thing. And I think, you know, our first series of the game, we saw some of that where they were just knifing. I mean, they were picking a gap and just going. And we were having a hard time responding to that. We were able to find some ways to adjust to that. They adjusted again in the third quarter, which in turn forced us to respond in the fourth quarter. But yeah, I mean, tip of a cap to them. That was a good challenge for our offensive line of what types of things do we need to be working on and in trying to get better at in terms of communication and in terms of just making sure that you're doing the right technique and getting those right reads in some of those situations. I mean, it's one thing to have a 300-pound guy that's not very mobile. You can figure out how to wall him off and run away from him. But when you have 200-pound guys that are shooting gaps and then they're not just diving in those – I mean, they're hitting those gaps and then they're ready to make plays – you know, you got to figure out how to read that and take advantage of it for your side. So, 
one other thing, I mean, obviously, I mean, it looked like it was a good field goal. The referee called it no good. And you're sitting at a spot where, okay, if that's good, it's 17 to 10. The Bears had gone three and out. We proceeded to go three and out on two more possessions. And everybody will look and say, oh, well, there was three points and, you know, Mediapolis lost by three. So that was the difference in the game. And maybe they would have made that last second field goal and would have won it. But at the same time, I mean, how does the game completely change from that point? I mean, say they make that and then we have a long kickoff return and have good field position and we drive down and we kick a field goal ourselves or we get a touchdown or our our offense, you know, finds some footing because we're not pinned back, you know, inside the 20 yard line again. So right. it's one of those that, yes, it's bad. You feel terrible for the young man that it happened. But at the same time, you can't just say, well... If that would have been right, then that three points would have been the difference in the game. It could have completely changed that game. We could have had a 35 to 32 final score after that. I mean, who knows? So, you know, it's easy to sit there and point and say, well, that one play was the difference. But, you know, it's a 48-minute game, and every single play adds up at some point. And the way games flow together... One thing changes, I mean, it's the butterfly effect, and you never know how that's going to be. So just kind of, I mean, I had several people ask me about that, and that's kind of, that was my two cents on, yeah, you know, it seemed like it was good, but in the grand scheme of things, who knows how the game would have been different if that would have been called good. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, it's just kind of a domino effect, and I think you could say the same thing, too, if Kinnick had not caught up to Isley yeah. on that touchdown run late in the game. Um, and I can't remember. How many t- timeouts did the Bears have at that point? I think we still had two or three, and there would have been a minute and a half. I mean, they ran three plays and only took one timeout, and we got the ball with 50 seconds left. So, yeah. Yeah, so who's not to say that you know Isley gets into the end zone there um, and the Bears don't march right down the field and what they would have had to have gotten a touchdown yeah, they would have would have been down by four. Yeah, so they would have had to have gotten a touchdown. Who's to say that the the Bears wouldn't have gone down and done that? Yeah. Um. So yeah, just a lot of you know what ifs and domino effects here that that potentially could have taken this game in an entirely different direction. Um. So yeah, kind of a interesting lens to look at those types of things through. Um. And so yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. One final thing I wanted to say was just Carver Belk. I mean. We've talked about kind of his maturation and progression throughout the season at that quarterback spot. And I think especially in that last drive that gave us the final go-ahead touchdown, I mean, he had some nice reads on the zone read where he would keep it himself and got some really nice runs. He showed his athletic ability, and he had a couple of nice pass completions. I mean, it wasn't, hey, we're asking you to throw a 45-yard post route. But he put the ball in a spot where the receivers could catch. I mean, I'm thinking Peyton. They just ran a quick little hitch route out to him. But he put it in a spot where Peyton was catching it, moving forward, allowed his momentum to go with him so he could make a play. And it's some of those little things that maybe don't look as sexy on the highlights. And it's not like, ooh, wow, look at that bomb that he threw. But he's doing the right things. He's making the right reads. He's putting the ball in the right spot, giving his team a chance to succeed. And that's what a successful quarterback does he doesn't have to have a cannon that can throw the ball the length of the football field. You're making the right throws. You're making the right reads and you get yourself a victory as a team. Well, yeah. And he's just being smart too, is a thing. He's, he's not 
letting his uh, inexperience cause him to just throw the ball up. He's being mature out there, despite having maybe the the not a lot of time playing quarterback. He just he looks mature on the field. He doesn't um, overanalyze. He doesn't uh, get scared. Doesn't you know freak out so to speak and just throw the ball up because he doesn't know what to do with it. Um, he just yeah playing really smart football and improving every single week. Well, I think to that point, I mean, just looking at my stat sheet, I think he had four straight incomplete passes. And I think all four of those were situations where there was some pressure coming and everybody was covered and he just made the decision to throw it over the receiver's head out of bounds. Or I think one time we were setting up the screen pass and I mean, he kept backpedaling with two defenders in his face and then was still able to throw it, I think kind of at Andy's feet so it would be incomplete. But, you know, he found a way to have a successful incomplete pass. I mean, you think, oh man, it was a bad completion percentage. That was a good incomplete pass because you didn't take the sack. You didn't lose 5, 10, 15 yards, whatever it was. You kept it at third and five instead of making it third and 13. And so, again, that's part of that maturity and making good decisions. Yeah, so 24-21, the final, we'll say it again. Uh, Just a really exciting game. Um, You know, had everything in it. It had uh, weather, drama, excitement, highs, lows, momentum changes, lead changes. Uh, you name it, just a fantastic Iowa high school football uh, game Friday night there in Minneapolis. Get in the game with the mobile app from Fidelity Bank and Trust. Do your banking during the game without missing a play. Learn more at bankfidelity.bank. Fidelity Bank and Trust, your hometown bank and proud supporter of the West Branch Bears. Member FDIC. All right, so let's check out other District 5 action uh, around the state here as we are, this was the second week of district play. Of course, we just talked about West Branch defeated Minneapolis 24-21. to Regina took on Wilton, battle of some undefeated teams. Regina was victorious in that one, 35-7. So again, probably another statement game from the Regals there um, to show that they are, you know, at this point, the <laughs> front runners in the district. And then Durant uh, traveled to L&M uh, to take on them. Hey, we had just, just driven right by there yeah. earlier in the, de- uh, the day on Friday. Durant gets their first win of the season, surprisingly there. Or surprising that they hadn't gotten a win, I'll say, uh, yeah. at this point, uh, 43-6. to six. So how we're looking in Class 1A District 5 at this point, Regina and West Branch sit at the top at 2-0. Durant and Wilton, uh, they're tied for third at one and one, and then Louisa and Minneapolis uh, at zero and two in the district. So Minneapolis uh, has some catching up to do if they uh, catching up to do and some praying to do if they uh, <laughs> if they want to stay uh, in contention here at least for the district title. Yeah, um, and then yeah, hopefully get into the playoffs because they're a good team. They are very good team, and I'd hate to see them, you know, potentially not make the playoffs or whatever that that case is, but. You know, what What they've got to do these last three games, it went out. Just win, baby. They've taken on Regina and West Branch so far, so <laughs> two tough uh, games to start the district slate. So um, hopefully they can finish strong and, you know, who knows, maybe we'll see them again in the playoffs. Um, they're, a, they're a fun team to watch. Yeah. So best of luck to them. All right, Stephen, so we're a little over halfway through the season and, you know, 
uh, we had kind of both thought we should let's uh, let's check in on those fun over under season predictions that we did uh, with Jason at the beginning of the season, uh, first episode of the regular season when we previewed uh, the Lisbon game. Um, so our first category is over under two hundred and twenty three and a half points scored uh, by the Bears uh, for the entire regular season. Uh, we're currently sitting at 145, and if I do some quick math... 29 per game. 29 per game, and our average... Let's see, we had based our over-under on 28 per game. So we're right there. Jason uh, Jason and Steven uh, had the overs. I had the under there. So we're, we're uh, right on pace for that one to be pretty close. Over-under... 127.5 points allowed by the Bears' defense. Uh, took a little bit of a spike this week as far as the average goes, up to 50 for the season, but that's 10, 10 per game, which is just phenomenal. Um, our 127.5 was based on a 16-point-per-game average last season. So uh, uh, Steven, you and Jason had the over, and I had the under, so I'm still looking pretty good on that one. Yeah. Andy Henson, 935 and a half rushing yards. He's at 614 so far through uh, five games, which is 122, about 123 per game, which is just a great average. Um, And he's outpacing last season at 117 per game in the regular season. We all had the overs, so we're looking looking good there. Over under one and a half non-quarterback pass attempts. We got one on the board this last week. We did. Andy Henson threw that. Well, it was funny. Um, you know, I was texting you and Jason earlier today, and I was looking at the stats doing some prep, and I saw that Andy Henson had a pass. I'm like, I don't recall Andy Henson having a pass. And then you reminded me of that um, uh, that play that... The um, shift formation that yeah, we did. Yeah, the shift formation, yeah, and we threw out of it. Yeah, nine times out of ten, that results in an offsides penalty. I kind of remember sitting there, I'm like... Okay, they didn't fall for it. What did we do? <laughs> but but they had uh, uh, Bears had a contingency plan, and yeah, Andy threw threw a good ball to Carver, who just made a really good effort to to get just down the field and get yardage. Yeah, that's all you're looking to do. Nothing fancy. Just get that first down. Got five and yards. That's what they did. Yep. yep. So we're at one there. So we just need one more to hit the over, and we all had the over on that. So we're come on, Coach Hirschman. <laughs> we got it. Over under ten and a half interceptions. We were at a good pace through the first few games of the season. So we're at four so far for the season. So the Bears defense, you know, come on. Got to get those get those interceptions so far. Steven, you and I, we had the under. Jason had the over on that one. And then over under one and a half special teams touchdowns. We're still sitting at one. Uh, was it the second game? Uh, Maquoketa Valley. Opening kickoff of McVack Valley. Yep, that's right. So we're sitting at one there, so we just need one more to, to come through there uh, before the end of the season. So yeah, interesting to to watch those play out for the rest of the season, but yeah, I figured we'd give a little, little update on those. Touched by Power Massage Therapy is your pathway to healing. Located on Main Street in downtown West Branch, licensed massage therapist Tracy Hartz offers Swedish massage and a variety of spa services. Touched by Power is the only therapist around providing a complimentary foot bath, paraffin treatment on your hands, hot towels throughout the massage, and a complimentary pedicure. Learn more or book your appointment at touchedbypower.com or call 631-1214. 
Week number six, the Bears welcome to town the Durant Wildcats. It's homecoming game for West Branch, and we'll just get it over right at the top. Many fun activities throughout the week. You know, parade on Wednesday, dance on Saturday. You know, it's cliche, and we talk about it every year, but I think it rings true. Uh, this is the week where the Bears really need to try and stay focused, uh, despite all of the festivities going on. And, you know, like I said, that, that dance coming up on Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, the cliche is the dance is so much more fun with a win on Friday night. And yeah, it's easy to get caught up. You know, you've got different themes every day. So you're dressing up differently and you're just doing all these other fun things. And it's easy to let the game slip your mind and just looking at it. I mean, on paper, again, this is one of those, oh, look, Durant beat Louisa Muscatine. That was their first win on the year. Okay, we can just show up and win. Well, you know, I've just kind of looked at some of the things from Durant throughout this season. And, you know, they are, they were 0-4 going into last week's game. They're 1-4 now. But look at their games that they had. They lost 23-20 to Sigourney Kyoto. Sigourney Kyoto, who's a top five team in the state, had to score a touchdown with a minute left to win that game. They lost 32-16 to to Cascade, which I think Durant had several turnovers in that one. And Cascade's a ranked, ranked yeah. class 1A team. <laughs> yeah. Northeast Goose Lake, Durant led 28-21 going into the fourth quarter, and then I think they had two turnovers late in that game, and that allowed Northeast to pull away. Wilton, Durant led 22-8 to with about five minutes to go, and then Durant fumbled, set Wilton up, real nice field position. They got a quick touchdown, and then Durant had to punt. Wilton drives down and scores with about a minute to go to win by two points. So it's a situation where you look at that what-if game, Durant could easily be a 5-0 and team right now. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, and we keep talking about it. I mean, you know, we've said last week, or probably since week after week three and definitely after last week, they're probably one of the best one in four teams in the state, you'd like to think. Um, and with just with what they've got going um, going on their team with, I mean, obviously DeLong, we'll talk about him here in a bit. Um, but yeah, just one in four is so many close games so far against some some really good opponents. Um, yeah, the one in four is not an indication of their play and their ability. Um, and the nice thing is, is they're one, they're sitting one and one in the district. They're right there, um, right there nipping on the heels of, of us and Regina. So they're not out of things. Yeah. And this is a game that they, you know, pretty much have to win to, to keep, keep up there in the district. And, um, you know, they'll have Regina at some point too, that they're going to have to, to win that. And I think they're very capable of, of doing that, um, but yeah, Stephen, you know, give us a little bit on what you've learned about Durant so far in your research and, and film watching, you know. Um, but yeah, I think it's just one of those teams that, like you said, we throw the records out the window. Who cares? They're they're a good football team. It all starts, and this is kind of a theme for our district this year, stud running backs that are juniors. Nolan DeLong, and Durant doesn't have their stats posted from Friday night's game yet. He had 751 yards through four games. We talked about Isley with 707 through four games. DeLong had 751 through four games. And it's it's interesting because you watch those two, and they are both phenomenal athletes, but they're just a little different. Isley is kind of more of that shifty, agile, he's going to make you miss. And 
DeLong is more in the vein of Andy Henson of he's going to flow a little bit, he's going to find a hole, and he's going to go north and south, and he's going to punish you. He is not afraid to put a shoulder pad into you. He is going to run you over. He is a strong dude. He's fast. He's, I mean, he's all over the place. And so a lot of t- you know, we talked a little bit last week about, you know, the revenge factor and, you know, Mediapolis knocked us out of the playoffs last year. Well, we went down and we won a close game against Durant. We held DeLong in check last year. So, you know, he's chomping at the bit saying, hey, I want another shot at this West Branch defense. And I mean, he is a special young man. He's also their leading tackler. He's a phenomenal linebacker. He's getting recruited at, I think, the Division One level. Jason's closer on that than I am, but I think he's had some visits and, you know, no official offers yet, but he's getting some looks because he's a good, good-looking good football player. One of the other things that jumps out, I talk about how they've been snake-bitten by the turnover, but they have also got nine interceptions on the season through four Jeez. games. I don't know what wow. they had Friday night, but they're averaging two interceptions per game through the first four games. So, you know, it's a situation that Bears are going to have to take care of the football because they're ball hawks. They're looking for it. They're trying to make plays. And so um, it's a physical team. I mean, they've got good size on that offensive line. You know, they're 200 at center. They're 260, 240 at the tackles. So, I mean, they've got some big guys. So it's going to be a different... Again, it's similar to what we saw with Mediapolis, but different in terms of they're going to be a ground and pound. They like to grind it out and rely on DeLong, but this is going to be more of the physical punishing, we're just going to pound on you, whereas Mediapolis was more of the, you know, we're going to find some gaps, we're finding some shiftiness, and you just know that they're going to find a way in these last three games to make some noise because they've been so close in those first four. And it's just, I don't know, it it's hard to fathom that they are just one and four and I could easily see them trying to get back to 500. And so the bears are going to have to be ready to go. Yeah. And I, you know, you mentioned the kind of the ball hawking nature that they have on, on defense. And as we, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, and I think one thing that I'm looking for in this game is the continuation of uh Carver Belk to, you know, I think I, I pretty much said the same thing last week just because of what Regina was able to do against Minneapolis with their quarterback's legs. Um, I, you know, I'm interested to see that, that process continuing with Carver Belk. Um, you know, I like what he did Friday against Mepo with his legs, uh, getting him a little bit more mobile. Um, and I'd like to see that increase in frequency, um, as I think he's a really good weapon on the ground. Um, but you know, we also saw some strong well-thrown balls that, you know, hopefully that the Bears passing attack can continue to ramp up. Um, but I think we're well suited to to do that despite that ball hawking nature of the Wildcats. Because um, I think Carver just, he, when he does throw it, he puts the ball in good places that it's either safely incomplete or right where the receiver needs to catch it. Right. Um, and so I think his, the the safety that he plays with uh, I think is really going to be a benefit to the Bears Friday if they want to um, if they want to have a passing attack. Um, you know, is, is there anything that you're specifically looking for from the Bears this Friday to you know help uh, eke out a win? Well, obviously, I mean, other than stopping DeLong, yeah. What can we do to stop <laughs> yeah. DeLong? And then at the same time, um, you know, Mediapolis, some of their success was some of those longer passes that they had, or some of those counters, and so. You know, just making sure that while we are keying on DeLong, 
make sure that we still play that team defense, that assignment football, so that if it is a play action pass, we don't let a tight end, you know, leak onto the weak side and get wide open, or we don't let that, you know, fake it and everybody's flowing with the long and they counter it back the other way with a different receiver or a different running back. And, you know, and then I think the other key is just, you know, get that pressure going. I mean, they've got a sophomore quarterback and, you know, just kind of get him on his heels a little bit. Don't let him get comfortable out there and, you know, see if we can try to force some turnovers and take advantage of it. Because, you know, I think that's going to be another big key is can we force them into some situations and make sure that, you know, we're getting that offense out there and getting the offense in some good field position too. Yeah, it all kicks off this Friday, 7 p.m. at the Little Rose Bowl in West Branch. Uh, homecoming game, so um, I think, what is it, during... Oh, it's, sorry, yes. Yeah, so the homecoming they do parade that. on Wednesday, yeah. and they'll do the coronation there, too, after yep. the parade uh, at the field. So um, if you're in town for that, be sure to go to that and figure that out. And we'll have uh, Jerry Flagle uh, on the sideline, back sideline Jerry, back on the bear ca- on the Bearcast. So if you're not able to make it, listen into that. And, um, you know, we were talking about this Friday, but I'm pretty sure Jerry bribed uh, Jared Tiley to go to the Iowa game Friday just so he could talk to the homecoming queen. Oh, definitely. For sure. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, this isn't a what ifs. It, that, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I would all but guarantee it. We love you, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking forward to that. But, yeah, if you can't make it, Bearcast, uh, 7 p.m. with the kickoff, 6.30 for the pregame. And, uh, yeah, hoping the, hoping the Bears can prove to 5-1 and one in the season and uh, 3-0 and oh, uh, in the district. But, it's going to be tough. Picks to click time. Last week, Jason had Carver Belk. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, decent game. Uh, I, of course, you know, had Wyatt Fetterman. Well, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that worked out. I mean, his deep. streak of seven for seven games came to an end. <laughs> yeah, it ended. But was he four for, or three for three, three, for, three for three and, and one a, for one on field, field goal. goals? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Steven, you had Peyton Miller. Um, he had some really good. Uh, yeah, just, you know, you talked about one of those out routes, just a quick or not an out route, but just kind of a screen wide receiver, quick throw type of thing. And just let Peyton use his athletic ability to, to create yards. Um, and I think he's really good at that. And that's a, that's a good play for this offense. Yeah. So this week I'm first and I mean, why, uh, why not? Why Why mess with a good thing? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Steven Grace. Um, I'm going to go one-timer. I'm going to take our Main Street Suites polar bear of the game from last week and put Andy Henson in there. I think it's going to be a night that we're going to need him to uh, do some big things both sides of the ball, matching up with the long, and um, I think that's going to be key too. Is Kind of like we saw in that first half, You know, just make sure that we keep controlling that football, grind it out, pound it out, and don't give DeLong opportunities to make plays because, I mean, he's busted through for some big runs. And so I think Andy's going to be key to that for both sides of the ball. Yep. And Jason wrote in his pick. He had Aiden Shields. Uh, He's been doing some really good things helping with this team the last few weeks. So hoping uh, that continues there for Aiden. Of course, Jason's chances and, uh, of course, the Bears on Friday. So that's all for our show today. Uh, Steven... 
tell us how folks can keep up with the team. Well, there are multiple ways. Of course, um, you can listen to us blabber on each and every week. We record these on Sunday. Matt normally has them out, whether it's Sunday night, Monday sometime. Um, it's weird because sometimes my Apple podcasts, like I get an, I think I got a note on Thursday last week that the previous weeks was available. Yeah, Apple's got some troubles right now with um, their podcast stuff. So. Okay. Um, not that that's a really good podcast app to begin with. I highly recommend other ones. Yeah. But um, yeah, got got some problems. I normally listen through Spotify myself, but... Okay. Yeah. So typically, if you do subscribe to the show in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Google Podcasts, whatever it is, um, that's usually up late Sunday night uh, immediately before we even publish it out on social media and on the on westbranch.football. So a little pro tip there. If you subscribe to the show, which is totally free mm-hmm. um, in your podcast player, you'll get it immediately as soon as it's released. So just go search Talking Bear Football so you can find that one. Of course, go to our YouTube channel and search for West Branch Football. We have highlights. We have our weekly interviews. And we're starting to put games up there. So the full game being uploaded, and you can actually rewatch the game in its entirety uh, with the huddles clipped out. So it's, you know, how long is it? About 45 minutes or so? 45 or an yeah, hour? Yeah, typically 40, 40 to 50 minutes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, you'd call it what's a condensed game. Yeah. So it's it's like watching the Iowa game without having to sit through four and a half minute commercial breaks <laughs> and just fall asleep because <laughs> they serve turkey in the press box. I, I digress. I digress. Of course, well, uh, better better than beer in the other pre- yeah, the other no part kidding. of the press box. That also puts you to sleep. <laughs> uh, of course, go to any other social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Just search at WB Bears Football. Of course, follow it. You'll get any updates. Matt posts all kinds of great things out there. And of course, westbranch.football because you know that's where you can find everything, and it's all linked from there. So uh, that's it. That's it. it's simple. It's just as easy as that. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, um, you know, obviously this season, but every season, uh, many of our sponsors, multi-year sponsors that we've had for quite a while, they allow us to do everything that we do on the website, the BearCast, the the podcast here, all that. Uh, So yeah, huge thank you to Browns West Branch, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, plus also Browns West Branch Ford, uh, Cornerstone Real Estate Consultants, EMS Detergent Services, Fidelity Bank and Trust. Uh, the Full Water Insurance Agency, Hodge Construction, the Hoover Presidential Foundation, Main Street Suites. I don't know what they are, but it sounds fun. So that, is that a hotel? Also, Marcy Willier uh, with Urban Acres Real Estate and the Bales team, Touched by Power Massage Therapy, and the West Branch Times. Yeah, as we said, kickoff uh, Friday at 7 p.m. at the Little Rose Bowl against Durant. Another big, another big district game. Bears got a win to... You know, stay right there at the top of the district. Uh, pre-game starts at 6.30 with the BearCast. And with that, Stephen Grace, any final thoughts? I got nothing. Let's get a big homecoming win. We need it. Well, you've been listening to the Talking Bear Football podcast right here on westbranch.football. Presented by the Browns West Branch family of dealerships. Take, Take care, care everyone. everyone.